Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. News, information, and comment right after this. So, do you think it's possible to go to church for years, a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church for years, and not be saved? Hey, there are preachers who pastor churches who are not saved. Oh, absolutely. I know. I've shared this before. Two men that I've known for years in my own church trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I remember it well. And at the invitation, hands went up, decisions were made. It's time to get saved. How about you today? Have you ever done it? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Going to church, that's not going to save you. Only Jesus can do that. Why not turn your life over to him to ask forgiveness of sin? Turn your life over to Christ today. It's a great way to live and a great way to die. What in the world is going on? In this regard, you know what the world's going on. The world has created $42 trillion in new wealth in the last three years. But you probably didn't see much of that. It didn't hit your bank account because 65% in the hands of the richest 1% in the world. That's a new report just out. Advocating for steeper taxes on the wealthiest as the world's most influential people. Arrive, there you go, in Davos to ski and try to solve the... These people are going to solve the world's problems. The charity noted that for every dollar of that new wealth earned by a person in the bottom 90%, a billionaire managed to snag another $1.7 million. Where's my gun? The latest on Sleepy Joe and his secret papers. George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley says that uh, Biden's lawyers are likely witnesses in a criminal investigation as the probe into Biden's handling of classified documents continues today. All the voices are getting louder on both sides of the aisle. Two, count them, two stashes of Classified documents from Biden's time as vice president were found in the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, D.C., as well as at the president's Wilmington, Delaware house and garage alongside his Corvette, spiraling the White House into an ongoing scandal after five more classified documents were discovered at his Wilmington home over the weekend and some found in the outhouse. <laughs> I I just made that up, I it's not good, Joe. What do you know, man? Well, it's rumors, rumors, and more rumors, and speculation, but experts are now saying, hey, that perpetrator, that murderer of four students in Idaho may have left behind a calling card and most likely has killed people before. Really? Now, that's a new revelation. Brian Koberger, Ph.D. student in criminology, of all things, at nearby Washington State University, has been charged with four counts of first-degree murder and felony burglary in that quadruple homicide. Maybe has killed before. Crazy, mixed-up, demonized human being. Well, is Dr. Fake G still around? Open the Books CEO, his name Adam Adrensky, 
exposed a culture of secrecy that allowed scientists at the National Institutes of Health, where Dr. Finkchi worked for decades, to benefit from over $1 billion in royalties from grants. Imagine that. Who could have ever... It's a system that is only possible because the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, is actually just a revolving door. Every year, the agency doles out about $32 billion worth of grants to about 54,000 healthcare entities across the country. Think pharmaceutical companies, universities, research outfits, the entire public health mess. That buys you a lot of friends, and that buys you a lot of allies, and that gives you a lot of money to buy stuff. Dr. Fake is he on your side? I never thought he was. How about you? Oh, and as usual, he's being attacked by everyone, including Elon Musk and the GOP critics, etc. And his response, and we quote, I can defend everything I've ever said and done. Ah, uh, he sheriff too much, they say. Could Prince Harry's explosive memoir called Spare hurt the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's chances of being a power couple in California? Many royals think that's exactly what's happening. The 38-year-old who lives in the coastal city of Montecito with his wife, Megan, and their two children dished out a tale all which hit bookstores January the 10th. It sold 1.43 million copies the first day on sale in the UK, US, Canada, making it the fastest-selling nonfiction book of all time, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Isn't that something? Uh, wait a minute. Not so fast on the champagne popping. Those within the couple's circle in Hollywood may be weary of what they reveal now, out of fear the pair will publicly speak out and write a <laughs> another book. Okay. More news right after this. Who said that? Christianity is not believing the impossible, but doing the incredible. It was huge. Stood there in the way. Joshua looked at the fortification of Jericho. He realized that the city was no small task, and to take it, wow, especially with the seemingly impenetrable wall that stood before him. But God promised Joshua that Israel would triumph, and Joshua believed God. Joshua 6.5 records God's command. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Do you believe that? If you're a Christian, you should. Oh, yeah. As Theodore Parker prayed, Give me, Lord, eyes to behold the truth, a seeing sense that knows the eternal right, a heart with pity filled, and gentlest truth, a manly faith that makes all darkness light. Now that is something to think about. Oh, me, oh, my. Life is tough. Oh, can I go on another day? Smartphones, digital technology, they're supposed to make our lives a lot easier, you know, but for young adults, that group called millennials, it seems that things are getting tougher, and for a slew of reasons. According to one recent survey, about three out of every five millennials, 58%, they feel life is more stressful right now than ever before. 
In fact, the survey of 2,000 American millennials commissioned by the CBD oil company reveals that one-third of millennials believe their lives are more stressful than the average person. The survey also pointed out to numerous causes of the frustration for this young segment. Many feel their overall stress level is caused by an accumulation of daily micro-stressors. That's what they're called. Micro-stressors, seemingly trivial little experiences such as, oh, being stuck in traffic, oh, woe is me, waiting for an appointment, how can this go on, and various smartphone issues. You're kidding me, right? This is the thing we're worrying about today. Although losing one's wallet or credit card ranks as the top source of stress for these respondents, one in five say they're even more apoleptic if their smartphone screen breaks. From slow Wi-Fi, then, to a broken phone screen, to zero likes on social media, everyday stressors here for these kids are causing young adults in America to have struggles falling asleep 138 nights every year, according to the experts. You're kidding me. Yep. I'm telling you, this is the new America. These are the people who will lead us into the future. Good grief, Charlie Brown. We're in trouble. Okay, pal, show me the money. Look, being a homeowner is an expensive proposition. How well I know. We get that. Every time you call an electrician or a plumber, I never do that, you can expect to spend a few thousand dollars, and who wouldn't want $40,000 just to spend on a little landscaping? <laughs> Where is this going? What you really shouldn't do is swipe those funds from your place of employment, which is where a former general manager of a New Orleans Outback Steakhouse went terribly wrong. That Outback Steakhouse manager had already been fired for unrelated things when the new manager was going through the books and found some discrepancies over the last few years, namely $41,000 worth of invoices for landscaping, $30,000 for plumbing, for work that was not performed at the Outback, as a manager, the man had discretion to use $1,000 a day without any approval, which he apparently used toward taking care of the old homestead. <laughs> okay, why not in today's world? And this is from our Stop Playing Church Department. Remember, the enemy didn't tempt Adam and Eve to murder, steal, or tell a lie. He tempted them to question the Word of God. In 2023, his tactics have not changed at all. And finally, who said that? <laughs> they, they shouldn't have. I just got myself a pet termite. I'm going to call him Clint. Clint eats wood. Okay. Sorry. That's all I got. Where's my Bible? When I return with today's devotion, the question is, more like the world or more like Jesus? That's right after this. So there I am, preaching on a Wednesday night at the First Baptist Church in Mentone, Indiana. Waxing eloquent, I thought, against the enemy, Satan and his demons, a story that we've told over and over again, the enemy's intrusion into your world. And what happens? Creaking begins, and oh my goodness, 
the ceiling let go, the plaster covered the whole auditorium. What a mess. We were just thankful no one was injured. Every now and then someone finds us on Facebook and responds with, I was there, I witnessed it. Just one of the stories you're going to hear on The Invisible War on the Saints. It's real. It's that 36-part video we did, thanks to Refuse Media and the WHCB team. I shared with you last week, Thursday and Friday on Southwest Radio Church, we talked to Dr. Ken Copley. He has helped thousands of people across this nation in spiritual warfare. Invisible War on the Saints working against the enemy and helping folks along these lines. Yeah, you'll want to get a cop. Pray about it. The invisible war on the saints. Oh, and lest I forget, Dr. Copley's new book, The Great Deceiver. One person bought nine copies yesterday and uh, going to give one to her priest. Interesting. Great Deceiver. Available. Greg Patton Ministries. $20, my friend plus shipping and handling. You need that. If you're in Fort Wayne, Indiana in April, when we do our conference with Southwest Radio Church, you can pick one up there. This is good stuff. What a help. Oh, can I share this? People ask me, ask Dr. Copley all the time, why are you guys wading into this mess, working against the enemy? Let me share this with you from my uh, Facebook page today. I talked about couple of issues with Amy Grant, sin, so on and so forth, and a girl who had hundreds of demons that I worked with for quite some time shared this thought, and to me, this is so exciting. She commented, I get passionate about my Lord and Savior. He has brought me out from great darkness in my life. Satan lost me. Greg, you should know, boy, do I ever, that was an amazing deliverance. Well, we asked the question yesterday, are you too much like the world or are you like Christ? And we used the verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first three verses there, brothers. I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Jesus Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food, because you were not able to receive it. In fact, you're still not able because you're still fleshly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not living fleshly like ordinary people? 1 Corinthians 3. The members of the church there had placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Sure they did. And they moved from darkness to life. They were heaven bound, but somehow their lives stalled out. It happens to all of us. They had lost their forward momentum in their daily lives. There was time for real growth. You know, when we lead folks in the process of discipleship, we need to orient them to the reality of the war that comes from within, Satan and his demons attack. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 and 9 says, those whose lies are in the flesh are really unable to please God. Isn't that so? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, since the spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Once a Christian, the Spirit lives within us. The Holy Spirit is in there. But the old self, oh, it's still a war against this change in your life. It's a battle and a process that's going to continue on and on. You know, in 1 Corinthians, there's a 
three-part portrait there of what church members should guard against in their experience, their walk in life. You know, if you're going to have a revival, a transformation of sorts, it will stall out without spiritual exercise. Verse 1 says the Corinthian believers were acting like babies in Christ. They, they had Christ, but they were neglecting to grow up. They should have been eating solid spiritual food, but they needed to stay on milk because they lacked maturity. And the only way I know to do that is to get some exercise. Are we, I'll ask again, too much like the world and too little like Jesus Christ? We all know that the believer cannot be transformed without truth, right? Time in God's Word is a necessity. It's a spiritual exercise. Church members must not fall into the trap of thinking that group studies just enough Hey, you've got to have time yourself in the Word, and, and that exercise begins with prayer. Paul wrote, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. Is seeing people praying together at your church a normal sight? Those that are growing and doing something, they say, absolutely. And here's another one. Our church members understand the importance of sharing their faith story with family and friends. The work of evangelism has the side effect of reinforcing its own power in the life of the one who does the sharing. When you serve, it lifts your eyes from personal needs to those who are needy right around us or in a different culture. God uses service to aid others and to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. As a physical exercise is a discipline, of course, so is spiritual exercise. Revival is something that actively takes place in our lives. We are transformed regularly by the gospel of Jesus Christ to consistently become more like Him and lead others in the same direction. And a real revival stalls if you have envy and strife. Paul tells the Corinthians they're still fleshly, still focusing on self, and that's a danger. Envy and jealousy are extreme forms of selfishness. That's really, I think, a big part of the problem in the church today. We are selfish or we're ignorant of the word. With envy, we want someone else's life more than we want to be like Christ. With jealousy, we want what others have more than we want Jesus Christ himself. And these forms of selfishness move us away from personal revival and a mission of personal promotion and ego. Revival is abandoned. But believers in churches experiencing revival are just the opposite. They're celebrating acts of service. It was common in churches that are being transformed. A fleshly attitude of refusing service to one another is a self-inflicted wound. When we serve, envy and jealousy have no room to stall you to keep you from revival. Rather, the service becomes an outward working of Christ transforming your character. And then revival stalls out when we live like the world, doesn't it? The final issue I see in the word from Paul here is the one in verse 3. Are you not fleshly and living like ordinary people? What a thought. It's an indictment, my friend an indictment of believers who have stifled the revival that was begun by the gospel. One of the greatest condemnations that can come into the life of a Christian is that he or she has just settled now for the ordinary life. Why would you do that? Revival by its very nature means that something significantly different from the ways of the world is happening in your life. Can you say that this day? In C.S. Lewis's The Weight of Glory, he wrote this, We are half-hearted creatures 
fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slime because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased in the world today. C.S. Lewis, absolutely. He's right. We should see the pleasures of this world as trash compared to the revival and the transforming power of Almighty God. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.17? I'm sure you do. You know, life is too brief to live like the world and deny our new position in Jesus Christ. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But giving our lives over to God's power each day is the active path of experiencing transformation. Starting today, how about praying something like this? Lord, I choose to be sold out to you today. Let me cross paths with those who need to see how your power can transform a life. Let me put others ahead of myself today, rejecting the lure of this world. Help me to live like Jesus Christ. Imagine the transformation possible if you would choose to place God's mission and interest of others before your own. I fear that too many people simply want to survive the day unnoticed and unscathed. I discover that such a mentality is too much like the world and too little like Jesus. How about an aha moment? Any church or individual experiencing transformation, they all went through a cathartic moment in life. What's that? A relief through an open expression of emotion. At some point in time, they stopped, looked around, and they decided, hey, there's a lot more possible for me. Some came to this conclusion because of a negative circumstance, some real trouble. Others because of a great positive victory. But the principle was very clear. A decision must be made. Has a time ever come in your life when a decision needs to be made? You know, I was thinking about being married 51 years. The natural order of things is for energy to wane in all areas, and you know what I'm talking about. Things come to a grinding halt, but the Christian life doesn't have to be that way. God creates a new life in us and wants to transform our everyday living into a portrait of the gospel's power. If you find your life stalled out today, maybe it's time to make a decision. Christ's plan for his people is that they might be more and more like him every day. Why not decide today that stalling is not an option for you and choose the hope born from transformation? My friend, just the thought of what you just heard should be exciting. This is the day the Lord hath made. We're to rejoice and be glad in it, and we're to be doing something for Jesus. Why not today? Why not you? And today's question, a fire starts in your home. Floodwaters are coming. They've been experienced. I watched this on the news. What made me think about this? If indeed you had a couple of minutes, what would you grab and take from your home? Interesting what people do grab and take. Believe it or not, one man's prized possession, a can of oily rags. What are we missing with this picture? And finally, I think it's the Battle of the Bulge, and uh, as usual, I'm losing. Do you like ice cream? <laughs> I really, I like ice cream. I, 
I remember a few years ago, a doc was helping me out on a diet, and he said, hey, I think you could have uh, uh, some ice cream uh, every now and then. I took it to the extreme, went and got me one of those high-end quarts of <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Before I knew it, I had eaten the entire quart. Doc said, that's not what I had in mind. <laughs> That's it. That's another edition of Hello World. News, information, and comment coming your way every day at this time. Like us on Facebook, please. Greg, Jerry G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. A big thank you in advance. Tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless. You have a great day.